You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. The Trek Files, Season 10, Episode 20. Notes on Star Trek graphics, instrumentation, and set designs by Mike Okuda, February 1985. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Welcome back, all you Star Trek fans. Hey, all you <laughs> all you canonistas, I always say that lovingly. You're really going to love this week's episode, even more than usual, maybe. Hey, any Star Trek historian is going to love this. All you fans in general, I'm talking to you, Trekophiles, spelled with an F. Yes, take a listen, if you are not aware. Take a listen to what's coming up. We've got our documents of the week, and it's a doozy, over at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash thetrekfile. Welcome to everyone. Um, We've got a new guest on the show this week. He will be joining me in just a second, but for now, take a look at the docs. Here's an audio sample, but stick around and we'll be right back with this week's guest. Why are the video readout screens on the Enterprise Bridge round? Present-day computer screens are generally rectangular because most information displayed on them is rectangular in format. It therefore seems reasonable that the round bridge monitors might have been designed to accommodate circular readouts. Well, as a certain Vulcan or tube might say, that seems eminently logical. And... And yet, yes, now that you're examining our documents for the week, of course, there's some groundbreaking work that now um, one of my best friends and uh, from Star Trek, uh, the great Michael Kuda gave us, uh, well, not just with The Next Generation, but starting with Star Trek IV, his first work. And looking back at the history of the graphics of the modern era of Trek, who else better to talk with it about this week than literally the man who, with his team, has been doing it throughout the modern era, the current era of Star Trek on the small screen. That's why I'm so thrilled to have, well, this title is so nothing. First assistant art director, but he's the supervising director for all graphics, motion control graphics, or MGFX as they say now. Uh, Has a team with him, works. Timothy Peel. Tim, I can call you Tim. Thank you for joining us on the Trek Files. It's great to have you. Thanks, Larry. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, yes. Well, I'm... I'm amazed we got, well, I guess there's strikes going on, so you've got a little bit of a break. Oh, we got a little bit of time, yes. <laughs> we have a, you can take a breath or two now, because I know life gets very hectic, because you worked on, you have been part of this, I mean, you worked on, you have plenty of credits, you and your team and your other companies, the boys, Don't Look Up, American God, Shazam, The Shape of Water, and I'm only going back a few years, and you've been in it for a long time. Yeah. But you were there in the beginning of Discovery, when Brian yes. Fuller was still part of the show. Oh, yes, yeah. All... The seasons of Discovery, all the and the short treks, the first one, Runaway, and then now all of Strange New Worlds. Uh, am I leaving something out? Um, you've been there from day one with the current trek, and uh, yay for survivors. But um, what do you think when you see, you think of your work and how it's evolving in the tech and what TV can do, and then you look at Mike's, this 1985 memo that got him a job on Star Trek IV. What, what comes to mind? Uh, first off, that... Um... Mike is uh, so prescient. He he 
he did something so revolutionary in his ideas, uh, which, you know, it's a lovely bit of writing and a very nice proposal. Uh, it makes a whole lot of sense, but it also has such permanence. It has such longevity to it because he's his thoughtfulness. He's very deep. He, he, he is a, a great thinker in graphic terms. For all of us graphic designers, he, he has a lovely level of simplicity that has such depth behind it. Uh, and it takes the world a long time to catch up to him. And, you know, 1985, Star Trek IV, some of the screens are still pretty good. They're kind of relevant. Like, they're not I mean, it's dated, but, you know, dated for you know, that many years. It's, it's quite extraordinary. Uh, and so he gave us this amazing foundation uh, to work from. And he, he took it through all these iterative changes that were so fundamental at the time. I mean, it was still DOS operating system when he did that design. We didn't even really have graphics-driven shells on top of code. We didn't really have Windows 3.11, like not even, it's right. pretty basic. Like Apple, the early versions of Mac OS, uh, like this, what was going on in the real world there, uh, he was a visionary. And so yeah. for me to build upon his legacy at a time when they were sort of conflicted between complete reboot and legacy, uh, and of course, legacy has won, but it was a, a time. Uh, <laughs> the challenge for me is that I have to take the decorative nature of those designs and build what is, looks like actually a functioning OS, because mm -hmm. everybody has an operating system in their life now. Michael had the advantage of no one had a computer like the Enterprise D. You know, well, right. Well, yeah, right. Yeah. But now, now you know, I have someone who has a laptop that looks quite similar to Picard's communication device on his desk. Uh, and so, uh, everything. Yeah, yeah flip top so, phones to smartphones and pads yeah, yeah, and, and, and plasma screen flat screens to talk on. And yes, and so yeah, everything yeah. can be animated, everything, uh, a great deal of it can be interactive. Uh, uh, and it, it still holds. Uh, as much um, mystique, so you can get away with some fun, but also uh, motion graphics nowadays have become a movie within a movie. Yes. It used to be, uh, as Michael wrote, basically animated set dressing, uh, a fun piece to add to the realism of the set. It's well, let's not have a big set. blank wall. If nothing else, the simplicity of let's not have a big blank wall there it's, and exactly. not have a space painting. Let's have something that looks functional yeah, in tech. Because we can right. only do so many space paintings until we need the right. wall to do something. Well, the original series, the dumpster diving, do the, the, the packing forms, right? Spray totally, paint the yeah. packing forms and put them on the wall. But the, I mean, the bridge is a little bit of, a, of an art gallery. <laughs> right. On a certain level, right? Like, which I, I love. But the, and so, and so if, in, in my case, it, there's a battle between what is possible technologically, which is almost infinite. It's a bit crazy. And also the fact that there's what's possible in VFX and post is quite infinite, but what's possible with the devices that we have available to us uh, can be quite difficult because we're literally co-opting devices that are meant for the public. So right. when I have tablets and phones, all they're treated on Star Trek, they're just treated like different size screen. But an Apple iPhone and an Android tablet are radically different softwares to get them to run and to get the colors to match if they're stuck in a console together is a bit of a deal, uh, an ordeal. It can be complicated using various programs. And what I and I've explained to many showrunners and directors, it's like I'm hijacking 
this equipment. They're saying things like, why won't it do that? I said, I don't work for Apple. I don't make this phone. I'm hijacking it. And it has a microphone and a camera and an accelerometer. And that's about it. I can, I can take over those things. Uh, everything else is a hologram. Or what, there's a lot of things I just can't do. Uh, but there's a lot of things we can do. And you know, nowadays, even, even in the sort of the last seasons of Discovery, you guys will see a lot in season five. And uh, fun stuff that we were starting to work on for season three, Strange New Worlds. Uh, we have like 3D objects that you can touch and drag and move that are truly mm-hmm. interactive, uh, which is fun. But it's 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 a it's a challenge. It's a it's a it's a much more complicated layer than what used to be. And I mean, I was working in the motion graphics world and graphics world uh, at the same time. I worked in the in the late '90s on a lot of shows, and it, it really was over glorified graphics with a little bit of movement right uh with a but michael's theory behind it is still relevant today uh and so his guide informs us so brilliantly even today uh and that uh trying to create holograms where i'm not in the l cars world it's been so hard for me because l cars is such a strong aesthetic that everyone instantly recognizes it and, and I we're have, talking about the, the the interface that he designed for next generation you know yeah. we, the, this this document this week that they they look Elcar's ish, but it's still the revolution he made for basically the twenty third century, the yeah, Kirk which era. We, which we now, and this is for, Michael right. agreed to call it SCOMs, and it's what right. he called it. He named it. I've carried it through. We even have a scene with Boimler pointing it out last week. We uh, finally got it on screen. Yes. Finally got it on screen. Verbal. It's actually a more complicated scene. They cut it down because I think <laughs> it it led to too many controversies, and I'd be on Twitter for the rest of my life answering questions. <laughs> uh, but it's sort of yeah, oh. so the, sort of the SCOMs idea is really the TOS late stage movie look, which mm-hmm. is you know, uh, you know, voyage home, pretty much to uh, generations, right? or the first half, <laughs> right, right, generations. the throwback, uh, the uh... yeah, where Enterprise B before she gets uh, so damaged, and uh, and you know, then they've got lots. You'll see lots coming in the future with that, which uh, I'll surprise you guys with in the future. But but there's a lot of uh, fun, and I'm working on that circular screen aesthetic still to this day i'm doing uh, and i love his idea it still works that you know your eye has to go the shortest possible distance and has overlaying concentric rings of information uh especially in a tactical situation could really work could be really great uh it's, it's so like pie it, charts it for battle or something totally I, pie I, charts for battle it's totally <laughs> i think, it, I think it, it has a level of brilliance if you want to stack a lot of things on top of each other uh, and so the only territory left for me from the brilliant Michael Akuda and the and the many years that he did is I had to go into three dimensions and layers. Mm-hmm. It's the only, and I've been sort of statistically prevented from touching L cars because I've been way before, or way way after. Right, right, way before, <laughs> the, way after. Yeah. So you were getting only... into some really interesting. Uh, Discovery was getting into some amazing. Well, we were. I think you've told the story about the scene with. Um, you know when the when the our, our our sentient computer and getting into some of those complex started off with just star charts and Lorca's ready room, but then it yes. grew to so much more beyond that. Yes. Uh, oh, I mean, also, I, I got to say that, um, and it's and you know it's both about building and design. It's about designing it and building it, and then also integrating it with the live actors and the director yes. who may not be familiar, and then to do it during COVID. That's. That amazing scene where everybody was filmed separately talking about oh yeah about we, we, the coming of the computer looking at, uh, at uh, Discovery's core uh, Zora's core 
Uh, and that's one of those situations in which I didn't get any assets from visual effects. I completely designed and built all the 3D models myself mm -hmm. for that. I took it over where I just said, I'm going to, I'm going to use the isolinear chip uh, slash circuit boards that were very prevalent in, in a lot of Deep Space Nine, especially got O'Brien yanking panels off, got all these basically you know, laser etched plexi panels to look like uh, circuit boards that ran on light as opposed to electricity. Uh, and I thought, okay, well, I'm going to use something kind of holographic version of that and, and, and you know, use a little bit, of, have a little bit of connective tissue to that era in, in these holograms, but actually build this whole holographic world. But we hadn't quite figured out how to use uh, AR, uh, augmented reality assets mm -hmm. yet. Uh, and the year next, I got a whole whack of iPad Pros, just the largest iPad I could. And I could literally put, not colored or textured, but I could put a translucent hologram properly scaled and properly positioned in the set. And the actor could take the pad and live walk to it and see where it is and walk around and figure out their blocking. And, and for you know people who don't know that in the film industry, blocking is really where you stand in relation to the camera to create a composition. How do two people talk and not block what they're talking about? How do you know how do two people kiss and see each other's faces? Right? Like, like blocking is all about how to compose actors in the frame. And uh, it becomes very difficult when they're blocking around something that doesn't exist. So when right. you give them an AR tool, uh, it really helps. And so season five is where we've used a lot of these tools because, of course, as usual with Discovery, it's all holograms. Uh, so we're going to see how much more effective it is. A little bit, much more subtle controls, touching and tweaking and turning little bits of holograms, uh, which we couldn't do before. And I would have loved in that scene you were talking about back in season yeah. four, because we didn't even have the actors in the same room at the same time. Uh, and the continuity was off. You know, it was four months different sometimes between when we shot people. And so they were looking in different parts of the room. So the job was, can I create a 3D object that looks rational? but also catches their eyes where they're looking and makes sense because they're not looking at the same thing. Right. But I made it look like they are. Well, this, this idea that the graphics and the motion graphics have become a meta story. I mean, if you go back, you know, the original series, yeah. I guess it helps, it helps with a body count. And when you think about Matt Jeffries, not yeah. only designing his sets and ship exteriors and all of sure. that and yeah. prop designs, so much. But he's doing all the, you know, what little limited graphics they had. Yes. He would, he would work up something special, like the, that one chart that he kept, re the, uh, the indicator dial, the scale. And one week, it's the oxygen tank for the yes. sick bay. Yes. And one week, it's the pressurization for the hangar deck. You know, they just relabel it. But the whole scene gripped by following it, just by filming it, right? It's like, I used to right. call that the auto actor. <laughs> the, uh, it's the non-player the non character. Right. right. It's the NPC. And we were, we'd were like, look at those, and occasionally you'd get the neutral zone map, or you'd get something. Yes. And then at least by next gen, well, the movies, and then yeah. that's a movie budget, but then by next gen time, you've got, you know, Mike, and you've got illustrators backing up yes. that art department. You've got Mike and Rick Sternbach and Doug Drexler and, 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 and uh, you know, John Ease by the time, and I'm leaving people out all over the place, but of course, got, it's, more, it's not yeah. all on, on one person's shoulders. No, no, but it's, it's still... Being driven by Mike, who's you know right. Zimmerman has a lot of faith in this guy, and he should, he's right that this this uh, young upstart kid from Hawaii <laughs> rocked it. Uh, so it had such talent, such promise, and uh, and managed to create like because there's so much filler. Poor guy, and I I feel for him 
on a level that probably very few people on earth, because I'm in a very similar position to him. You're in exactly the same position. Yeah. Yeah. So I never dreamt that I would be that. And I never feel arrogant saying that, but still, I know that he has to fill a ton of space with computer graphics that have no business being there. Hallways, corners, bits of, and he managed to make it still feel rational, still feel like it should help the ship that the, that you had access to the computer in any place and anywhere. And it looked, it looked right. Uh, and, but in those days, even when they could up a budget and spend a few bucks here, you'd have yeah. to do like a burn-in. You'd have to do oh, a, a visual yeah. effects bit or his bit. His, maybe his advanced by Voyager and DS9 or, or Enterprise, he's making the digital program of the, the indicator blips on the, oh the red God, thingies yeah. and the green thingies, but it still had to be burned in or something. Oh, I think they've got a lot of TV screens that they could push up behind a, a black, like you get a piece of plexi with a black uh, vinyl black background with a cutout in it and a, in, a, in a shadow box that makes sure there's no reflections in the room and you can roll a TV up behind there and get the TV. And- and a frame that cuts off the rounded tube when it's still tubes. Yes. Yeah. At the edge. Yeah. But, I mean, all, a lot of the blinkies were like little LEDs and wiring and soldering. It was like what they did. It's so intimate. So you had to be very considered. Uh, and I don't have that time. Yeah. But from the tech now to the point where people were, you know, what started as in-jokes and Easter eggs in the, in the acudograms yes. became now points where, yeah, you, you're talking about having actors actively we they can follow or it's on the view screen you can yeah. actors can go up and touch screen now yeah. and have the whole thing be animated and not even be pre-programmed like by nemesis and insurrection they would do a you know like okay patrick touch this corner and it will look like you're but now they actually are running the program yes. right Pretty yeah much. yeah talk about the story within the story wow absolutely uh there you know this this needs to be five documentaries and 16 coffee table history books uh, but that's just me talking to <laughs> yeah me too I, I i find it endlessly interesting but i've bored many a person at the party you let me go and i just got to be told to shut up my wife is wonderful and good at basically taking me by the arm and slowly walking me out of the room while i still have some dignity left it was obviously not a trek canonista party I, that's yes, all i would say i've been to those two where she needs to leave because I mean, who wants to listen to that well, the work, the ongoing work, the fact that we've got a central person who's been with it so, many, so much through the current shows on into the future uh, is just amazing. I'm so glad you're there where you are and have the team and, and uh, that you're working with. So um, thanks for dropping by again. I'm, like, I'm trying to be worthy of the luck that I got because it was, I, I remember working, I mean, I've been working a lot of big feature films and, and Akuda was always a dream to me. I, I thought, oh. I could only just be sort of on one show where I could sort of keep working that vernacular and just pay off a mortgage, just be there. And he seems to be the only one who's done that. And I can't see that ever happening again. And then all of a sudden knocked on my door. Like, what? What? Here? Now? Okay. You want me to really? And then I would show them things that are from that era. They, no, no, we want to do something different. I'm like, okay. What have you guys asked? I'm well, you You've ridden those waves, like you said, and what's what's eventually Murr. But the fact I was going to say the turnover is endemic anyway to the industry. But the fact that much less Star Trek, and the fact that you've been there throughout and and have lent this kind of guiding, stable hand, um, is amazing. And oh, we all thank, thank you, you for I mean, that. I tried because I don't have a lot of input. I don't have the much support. I mean, my support is the fact that I'm a diehard fan, a total nerd. I've watched my whole life. I never, I never really separated all the different, like Star Trek to me was philosophy. Star Wars was mythology, you know, and, and I always yeah. had two sort of in my head and I've followed them my whole life. And so my fandom has saved me from many a mistake 
or cause me to make them, <laughs> which is common in Star Trek. Well, I would say it sounds like the biographies of Mr. Okuda and just about everybody else who's worked in art departments over the year who yeah. were, were there more than a year or two. Yeah. Uh, but you mentioned philosophy. I would, you know, as much as we could talk about the art department, I would love to have you come back sometime and talk about um, some aspect of that, too, and get out of the art yeah, room yeah, the just for a minute. Nature. Uh, what if is my favorite question. And, uh, oh, and okay. projecting projecting a optimistic future, I think it's almost a job that we should do. It's an important thing to do. And Star Trek, I mean, how else, what else could I possibly ask for to do it? I, well, let me hold you right there. Maybe we can find room down the line and have you come back and talk about that very question. Right. Okay, that was awesome. But meanwhile, thank you for so much for today. I, I love getting the folks who work on the shows, especially those who put so much into them. Uh, and 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 hands on and on screen that we're all enjoying right now. Oh. So, um, including charting the stars, which is a whole different whole different aspect. Oh yes, I know. I've got, I've got lots of stuff I want you to proofread if you would please for me. I, I just okay. don't know if I can get it right. Okay. <laughs> That'll be another day know, as well. Yeah. But yeah. for today, Tim, thank you so much for dropping by. Hey, thank you, uh, and all the fans. You guys make it worth it every single day. Hey everyone, the Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment and all of our documents, along with your chance to comment, please do, are available at facebook.com slash the Trek Files. Now, for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47, uh, yeah, that's me, at larrynemacek.com. And that's also where you can link in for all of our new Trek Files swag and shirts at our Tee Public shop, too. Trek well, everybody. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.